What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pixel Media YouTube channel. My name is Sean Bernard. As always, we are back after July 4th weekend. The Sixers did not stay out of the news once again. I mean, we're seeing the white party pictures. We're seeing the Daryl Morey trolling on Twitter. A lot going on, but I did want to take a second and really dive into this James Harden versus the Sixers situation when it comes to his trade requests, his expectations, and what I expect the Sixers stance to be from here. So I'm going to break this down into two parts. This is very much a situation which I think is the exact same situation, but the Sixers and James Harden are going to be viewing it very differently. So I want to look at it from both angles and dive into what I ultimately think will happen and how I see things playing out from here. So let's get into it. Step back, Jay. Sixers looking very focused in the second half. Maxi looking for more. He's got it! Daniel House will up a number on the lob and then flies in with the emphatic one-hand jam. Niang looking for more from outside. Bang, bang, George Niang. Joel, the process has been. All right, so to start things out, I want to dive into the James Harden point of view in the situation. And what we know at this point, the expectation from the second that James Harden signed his uh, one plus one deal last offseason was that it would be a one year deal. He would opt out and ink a long term deal from here. That seemed to be the plan from both sides of things. Now, what actually happened is there was dead air radio silence between the Sixers and James Harden until up near the edge of that deadline. I know these Sixers are throwing in the phrase about them being careful about the tampering, uh, especially based on the fact that they were. It did cost them two second round picks last year for the tampering efforts on P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. That is more of a uh, something you just got to be smarter about. Like, this is something that everybody does. It's like when you're driving down the highway, you're speeding, you're just going with the flow of traffic. You're going 75 and a 60 on the highway, and you get pulled over. Yeah, I mean, you were speeding. You were caught. You have to pay the punishment there, but it is kind of one of those things that you kind of get the, the short end of the stick there. That is what happened to the Sixers. They can, I guess, phrase it if they're being ultra careful with it. I think James Harden is right to read between the lines on that one, that the fact that there was not those communications, especially based on the fact and my understanding of it is because James Harden was technically still a member of the Sixers organization. They had free reign to talk to him as much as they, as much as they wanted to. Yes, he wasn't officially under contract, but he, they did have the bird rights. He was a guy who had that opt-in and for the time being and, and for until this is settled is absolutely still a member of the Sixers. So James Harden, after that radio silence, decided his best option was to opt in, take his $36 million, and request a trade from there, that the Sixers and James Harden will work together. Now, I've been saying that this is the best-case scenario for both sides because it's clear this James Harden thing just isn't quite working the way that everyone has pictured. It, it feels like there's just something a little bit off about the situation. The Sixers are in the exact same spot of failing to get past the second round for the whatever consecutive year since Allen Iverson through every single year of the process. So it's not it hasn't brought on those results. From James Harden's perspective, there's moments where you can kind of see the unhappiness, especially when you bring up the, the leaks the throughout the year, the eyeballing Houston as a potential landing spot, things like that. It just hasn't seemed like this has stuck to him as a home in the way that I think he hoped and a lot of people hope when the, the trade first went down. Now, I also do want to go out there and say that I do believe a part of him opting is, is a little bit of saving face for James Harden. I think his feelings are hurt in this situation because in the first time in the entirety of his NBA career, Nobody really wants him. And I don't mean in a way that James Harden has no place in the NBA. He's absolutely still a useful player. But I believe in the mindset at the state of a player that he believes that he still is with the contract that he commands, there's no team that wants to commit to this guy. 
And I think a lot of his feelings were hurt in that way, especially when you look across the league. That contract in Houston, that Fred Van Fleet, that uh, three-year $129 million deal, that felt like that was meant to be written out to James Harden. So for that to be the team that he had essentially used to drum up interest and drum up a market for himself to ultimately not be interested in him, that's a big deal. If Houston wanted to offer James Harden that money, if that homecoming that either he brewed up or however this came about that we've literally heard about since Christmas when these reports started coming out as a potential landing spot for him, if that was legitimate, the money would be offered to him and he would have signed there. There would have been those communications. It just would have happened and it didn't. And that means that they either valued Fred Van Fleet higher. I have very much been on the camp of never seeing why it made sense for the Rockets to want James Harden there. To me, it is a move that would stunt the growth of their young core. That should be the priority. I frankly don't love the Fred Van Fleet signing for him. I think it makes way more sense compared to Harden as far as he's a guy that can play off ball. He's more of a complimentary piece. He isn't as ball dominant. He doesn't need to dribble the air out of the ball for 48 minutes a game in the way, same way that James Harden does. I think he can play a more complimentary role to the guys like Jalen Green. But we'll see. I, I see the value of bringing veteran leadership in and trying to accelerate that. But I still think the Rockets are skipping steps a little bit in the rebuild. And you got to let these young guys play out their uh, their growing pains. They got to figure out the NBA game as it unfolds in front of them. And I think they're trying to speed up the pace a little faster than it is meant to go. Now, back to James Harden. In addition to that, the the kind of slant from the Harden camp, and it's very clear that the Clippers are the targeted team, makes things hard from a trade standpoint. Uh, for starters, the Clippers are a team that it absolutely Harden needed to opt in, and there needed to be a teamwork if he is going to get there, if that is the circled spot that he wants to land at. The Sixers, this has to be a team effort. And also, the Sixers should be more than happy to help him with this in, in the way that he absolutely could have walked for free. If there was that market from him, if he desired to just not be in Philadelphia that bad, that he could have walked and the Sixers are left with nothing, and they would not have even gotten the cap relief that you would expect with that because of they would be going above the cap already and that they have the bird rights. And that is the reason that they could offer him whatever. They did not have that freedom for just your run-of-the-mill free agent. So by working with them, you have a chance to get something back. And this puts the Sixers in a very similar corner to where we were just a year and a half ago with the Ben Simmons situation, two years at this point, where it was, you have to get this right to make sure that you preserve the prime of Joel Embiid, which is still the focus and still the center point of every decision that must be made at this point in time. Now for Harden, I guess the biggest disconnect that I keep circling back to is I feel he has not moved past that point in his mind where he's not that guy anymore. James Harden is still a very useful player. And, and to be fair to James Harden, as I mentioned, I think his feelings are hurt. I think that when we look back at when he declined that player option, that $47 million player option last year to take a pay cut, that he only took his $35 million, which I don't have a ton of sympathy on a pay cut there. But for him to take that, it's absolutely money that he, he walked away from and should still be praised for it. I think the understanding from him was that he would be taken care of this offseason, that there would be a more long-term lucrative deal that would provide him and kind of fill in these gaps in a way that that he left on the table last offseason. For starters, that's just, I wouldn't say that's the best business advice. I guess there is a uh, there is a relationship between him and Daryl Morey that is much stronger than we really generally see from a player and general manager that I think he had a little bit of uh, faith in that coming back to him. But he didn't play to the level that just commanded him be a Max Scott. He's just not anymore. Uh, and if I want to look at this through the James James Harden colored lenses and, and see what he's seeing, he definitely thinks he is. And you can kind of sugarcoat things, make this argument. I mean, this is the same guy that led the NBA in assists this year. Joel Embiid is absolutely the focal point of these Sixers. 
he James Harden believes he was doing his job that he was he set he in many ways helped Joel Embiid ascend to that MVP level. He did help him lead the league in scoring. It is no coincidence that Joel has had the best two scoring years of his career with James Harden playing alongside him. That's because of James Harden as a playmaker, along with Joel Embiid's continued ascension and offensive development. This is not solely a pat on the back for James Harden, but there's absolutely correlation there. And on the other side of things, when you look at the playoffs, James Harden had two games where he scored 40-plus points. He won a game against the Boston Celtics in Game 1 in Boston without Joel Embiid on the floor. That's impressive stuff. But to be so poor in the rest of the playoffs that we almost forget about that is more telling to me. And, And to bring up these specific numbers on this, there are three games from James Harden that really stick in my brain. And they're the three probably biggest games that he has ever played in. And that would be game six of the Miami Heat series last year when he famously shot two shots in the second half and had no interest in really playing basketball. And for his complete box score on that, I will bring up, played 42 minutes and 59 seconds in that game, finished with 11 points, nine assists, four rebounds, four turnovers, shot four for nine from the field and three for seven from three. That's just not enough. And, and it was the disinterest. Honestly, all these box scores that I'm going to rattle off don't do justice how poor he was in these games. That You can see a little bit of fluff when you look at these. It was worse than that, that I remember that watching it, that I wanted to tear my hair out more. It was worse than these numbers reflect. Now, the other two games would be game six and game seven against the Celtics this year. It looked like the Sixers had on the on the ropes. They were up 3-2 in the series. It looked like this might be finally the year to break that second round barrier, but it did not happen. And in game six, which is ultimately where the Sixers lost the series, this in front of the home crowd with them having a lead in the fourth quarter, all of these things. James Harden ultimately ended that game, played 43 minutes and nine seconds, ended with 13 points, nine assists, seven rebounds, three steals, five turnovers, shot four for 16 from the field and zero for six from three. He was a minus 10 in a game the Sixers lost by nine. For me, the biggest things that stand out is on one hand, I guess I can applaud him still being aggressive because that's been my frustration with James Harden at times is when he's just gotten passive and looks like he doesn't want to be there and he doesn't really try. I guess I could backhand give you a compliment for attempting 16 shots and six threes, even though you missed more. I mean, you made 25% of your shots from the field. And then in game seven against the Celtics, that's where the poor James Harden, who didn't look into shit from the single second, a single second of that game. In that matchup, he played 40 minutes and 49 seconds, ended with nine points, seven assists, six rebounds, five turnovers, shot three for 11 from the field, and one for five from three. Sixers, of course, lost by 24 in that matchup. James Harden was minus 30. I get it. It doesn't solely fall on the shoulders of James Harden. It was not his individual fault that he lost that game. But if you want to be this max level guy still, if you want to be the guy that commands this money, that wants this giant role in the offense, then you got to wear it. You got to step up when those moments matter. And you can nitpick. There were moments that he did. There were some highs of the James Harden, but the lows just outweigh it to me. It's when he's great, he's everything the Sixers need. He's a perfect match for him. But when he's not, and we see it all too often, you just can't win a game with him on the floor. And that happens all too often. It's There's no lift on his jumper anymore. And even the games where he did pop off, where he had those 40-point games, it did not feel as if he turned back the clock and, and had found some new life in his legs. He was just hitting tough shots. Even that game winner that he hit over Al Horford in, in game one, that was perfectly defended by Horford. It was just a tough shot made by James Harden. And that is the theme, is he's not going to turn back the clock find ways to create new separation. He is who he is at this point. There's some nights where the jumper falls, where he's able to hit some tough contested shots. And there's some nights where it's not. 
And even looking at it, even watching those two 40-point games with just a couple months ago, do I have any confidence that he's able to run that back and that that's going to be the same thing next year? Absolutely not. I I, I can't believe that it happened this year. And he, even watching those games, it, it didn't feel like, like he's got it. It just was making tough shots, and I was kind of like, watching with my heart and my hands throughout those games of like, is this actually happening? And to his credit, he did. But that disconnect between what he is at this point is what's ultimately, I think, sinking his outlook. And this goes beyond just like the leaks of of the wanting to go to Houston, things like that. There's also the comments about like him wanting to play with more basketball freedom. There was clearly a, a disconnect between uh, Harden and Doc Rivers. It was reported from Zach Shavalella of Philly Sports Network that there was essentially an ultimatum made between Harden and the Sixers organization of like, yo, it's Doc Rivers or me. Like, I'm not playing for this guy again. Doc Rivers ended up being fired, and James Harden still doesn't want to come come back. So there's some stuff on that one as well. And as far as, like, what he can be, like, I don't understand the basketball freedom comments. Like, what more do you want to do on a basketball floor than what you're currently doing? Because he gets his isolation opportunities. He absolutely does. And and there is that segment of the shot clock or segment of shot selections that James Harden is there to fill up. The Sixers need that from him, that he can do those things. And just to rattle off a couple of his, his stats, I mean, he led the NBA in offensive plays that resulted in isolation. 30.3% of his uh offensive plays result in isolation moments and and for the record he over one point possession on those that's efficient enough that was a pretty solid number there uh but also 42.9 percent of his field goal attempts occurred after seven plus dribbles that was second in the nba in that conversation he also held the ball for 8.6 minutes per game total individually that is second in the nba and his 93.5 touches per game was third in the nba so how? what more do you want? You have the ball. And what are the other things that James Harden really can do? Let's look at the moments that he shined. It was in the pick and roll opportunities with Embiid. It was in the isolation opportunities when he went and got his own shot. That's what James Harden does. Those are the things that he does well. He's never been an off-ball guy. He's never been able to move off-ball. And the only time he ever looks locked in on a basketball court is when the ball in his ha- is in his hands. The only person that had it in his hands more this year was Luka Doncic. That was the only player in the entire NBA who physically touched the ball more than James Harden. So you can't be complaining about your lack of opportunity when that is the case, especially when I don't believe that that is an effective way to win games because it's not because the Sixers have flamed out in the second round once again, and he is no longer at the level of a caliber of player who can command enough offense with those touches that it is a good decision as a team to give him those. So where does James Harden go from here? So we know that the trade request is in, that he does not want to be in Philly anymore. And this is where I'm going to swing over to the Sixers side of things. Like, the fear is that he will pull the same nonsense that he did in Brooklyn and the same nonsense that he did in Houston when he wanted to be traded. Now, from James Harden's perspective, you absolutely cannot do that. There's already no market from you. You just opted into a one-year deal. And if you do this again, I think there's a legitimate chance. Like there's not an NBA spot for him. I think it's swung that far. I get it. Like the more talent you have, the the bigger the the leash for you. We just saw Kyrie Irving ink a pretty significant deal. Kyrie Irving's a way better basketball player than James Harden at this point in time. James Harden is no slum. Like he can play still. But if he's going to cause a whole headache here, you think guys are going to be itching to to get him on their team? And the other thing that I'll say about James Harden is he's probably one of the hardest players in the NBA to seamlessly just fit your system. Like his system is of playing is one of the more defined of any player. He's not just this, this 
Kevin Durant or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard that basically you plug and play can fit on any roster. James Harden needs the ball in his hand constantly. He does a few niche unique things that he does very well. He's still a very high IQ player. Maybe there's a world where he can graduate beyond that, but that takes him having that internal switch flipped inside of him and believing and buying into that, which I just have not seen any signs of that from him. But if he does do this, where he pulls the poutiness, where he pulls the moodiness, I don't want to play. I show up 50 pounds, overweight, all these things. I, I just don't see a world where the team's ready to take him on as a risk. And this also doesn't help the Sixers to that extent. The one side of things that is kind of the appeal, and we've seen the Tobias Harris trade rumors basically hit a halt since this James Harden thing, which I think is completely correlated, that you have to find a way where these plans are obviously very connected, that you want this this Sixers team to look the most complete. As of now, it looks like things are going to be running back. And I, it does feel a little different from the Ben Simmons situation because, I mean, we see James Harden chilling in the Hamptons at the Michael Rubin party, at the White Party, where he's posting up with Joel Embiid, with Maxi, with Tobias Harris. It looks like these guys don't hate each other in the same way that it felt with Ben Simmons. And Simmons obviously earned that as well. But from the Sixers' perspective, like, what do you do with this guy? The market was not there for him in a free agency. Why was it here? Why would it be here for trades? And I know I dropped a some mock trades that I all think work. And honestly, if any of those are on the table, I'm absolutely jumping on them at this point. I think the biggest concern is the Clippers are dead set on making a big three, that they want a Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and James Harden as your trio. They want to sell tickets for that new arena that's about to come out. That's what their mindset is. They're not ready to cough up one of these guys. They want it all together. And I think James Harden does make sense for the Clippers. I think there's a world where you can see it working out there because when you have Paul George and Kawhi, there will be the nights where James Harden can kind of sleepwalk through things, just be a playmaker, run an offense. And then there's going to be nights where, yo, Paul George and Kawhi can't play. We need you to take up 30 shots tonight. And James Harden can fill that as well. I think that's what he kind of wants. I think that's ideal for him. So I do see it as a fit out there. But as far as what they want to trade, I mean, we're looking at these scraps package of the, the Marcus Morris, the Robert Covingtons, the Norman Powell's, these type of players. It doesn't even sound like they want to include Terrence Mann. I know a lot of people love Terrence Mann out there. Uh, a nice piece for sure. I wouldn't say I, I, he would be a deal breaker for me. I would take him and I would want him in the deal, but I wouldn't say that's like the holding price in a way I think a lot of people are regarding it. Uh, but beyond that, this also brings up the, like if James Harden only wants Clippers, do the Sixers owe it to him to bring it there? I don't think so. I definitely don't think so. They should be shopping to every single team. And this even goes as far as like the Dame Lillard conversation. I, I'm all for player empowerment. Don't get me wrong, but you can't put an organization in a pickle the way that these players kind of are. And the way things have shifted, the way the, the system is created is very much for free agency to be, you choose your spot. Trades are kind of where teams choose where to send you. And that is the balance of it. And if you want to have these type of power decisions, if you want to figure out where you want to be, then take shorter deals. Take the one-year deals. Take the one-plus-one deals. We saw LeBron James do this for a period of time as a way to kind of put pressure on the organization to make sure things are going the right way. That has to be more of the system. It can't be now guys are opting into these massive contracts and then, then getting to the desired location. You can't have your cake and eat it too. That is the risk that you run. The Bradley Beals, the Dame Lillard. And the Dame Lillard one is going to be especially interesting to see play out because there is that loyalty. Frankly, Dame, well beyond what Harden deserves in terms of loyalty. He's a guy who's stuck out Portland forever, who has really given it his best shot to build a contender there, and it hasn't happened. And that, that's no fault of Dame's. That's Honestly, I wouldn't even say fault of the organization. That I do think they've tried and tried to retool. It just hasn't happened. And they're a couple of years too late on triggering this rebuild. I think they already have pieces in place. The Scoot Hendersons, the Shaden Sharp, the Anthony Simons. That's a nice young core. 
But if he's dead set on wanting to go to Miami and Miami just can't add uh, put together a package that adds up to something that the Trailblazers desire, then don't trade him there. Trade him somewhere else. That I think you owe more to your fan base and to your organization to do what's right by them than what Dame Lillard wants. If it's the San Antonio Spurs who jump in and decide we want Dame Lillard, if it's the, the Utah Jazz or the Orlando Magic, if it's a random team, you got to do what's best for you. And I think that especially applies with the Sixers and James Harden because they should have no feelings of, of loyalty towards James Harden because, frankly, if he was that loyal, like, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And and what does James Harden even want from a, a just outlook as a team? Like this, the Sixers are firmly in a spot where, sure, like it's not perfect. The role players you can complain about, you can nitpick, but you're playing next to the MVP of the league. This was a team that still went to the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. That was a couple bounces, one went away from going to the finals or going to the Eastern Conference finals. I, you know, like, it's right there for the taking if he actually wants it. And even beside that, like you want to look back at his past, the Nets, like you had your time playing with the super team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That didn't work out. You had your moment in Houston where you were the epicenter every single decision where you were, you know, the solar system that things rotate around. That didn't work. That didn't lead to a championship. And the, the message that was sold of James Harden coming to Philly was that what he wanted was a championship, that that was the missing notch on his resume because it is. This is a guy who's won the most playoff games of any player ever not to have a ring. That's James Hart. So what do you want? Is Los Angeles that bat pathway that you see? I agree. I don't think it's happening in Philly. I think it's no secret that <laughs> it's just not quite working. And from a guy like Nick Nurse now taking the reins as head coach, James Harden is about as far from a Nick Nurse guard that I can picture. When you think of a Nick Nurse coach team and what things are look like on the floor, it's defensive intensity, it's movement, it's ball movement. It's guys that are ready to, to commit on every single possession. None of these things are James Harden. Even if you want to look back to the Nick Nurse opening press conference where he's asked, do you want James Harden in this team? And he's replying, James Harden's a great basketball player and James Harden is a decision to make. I would love to be coaching for him. I just don't think that the guy wants to coach James Harden and that's fine because he doesn't fit what they do. Now, like there has to be some sort of upgrade from the Sixers. I'm very curious to see what Daryl Morey's outlook on this is. And the reason I find it so interesting is because I think Daryl Morey values James Harden more than any other player person in the league. I think he values James Harden more than anyone else on the planet right now. I think he's unwilling, and we've heard the Daryl Morey spiel about stars. I get it. There's a, a finite number of these high-caliber players that can change your championship window. He still believes James Harden's in that category. James Harden still believes he's in that category. And once again, don't get me wrong, James Harden, good player, just not quite what they need him to be. I think Daryl Morey is going to hold steady until they can get a guy that he believes is also in that category. Is that going to happen? I don't think so. So what are we looking at from here? Are, are we in another holdout situation where we're almost walking into a gap year where there's no clear way to compete? And Ben Simmons obviously held out, did not show up. That's not the problem with James Harden. I do think he'll play. What kind of effort level is a different question. I already brought up my reasoning why I don't think he can dog it in the way that he did in years past because of his outlook and, and the you know poorly aging situation that he is in uh, with his body. Things aren't getting better. There's not going to be a return to burst. James Harden is who he is at this point. And uh, still a fine player, still a useful player, but it's not getting much better. So what do the Sixers do from here? Do they just take a package of scraps, maybe get, add to your depth, get some more athleticism with the Norman Powell Clippers kind of package? Maybe, maybe that's the best world. It, I guess the bigger question is like, is Tyrese Maxey ready to step up and be number two? 
and I love Tyrese Maxey. I, I can't, I'm, I'm done putting ceilings on his growth because he's proved me and everyone else wrong every step of the way. When I first had a chance to interview him before the combine, when I first had a chance to watch his film and do my draft boards, I was like so hyped up over this guy. One of my notes, I put top 50 NBA potential. I think I might've even undersold him there, but he's still a 22 year old kid. We're still a couple years away from hitting that arc. And one of the things that personally I would desire in a trade is something to extend the window a little bit. Don't get me wrong. Joel Embiid, about to turn 30. He's been in the, the, the league for a little bit now. He has had his ascension. I think there's very much a world where you can extend that title window where Joel Embiid takes a little bit of a step back, where he's no longer this 33-point-per-game guy. Maybe he's a 22- to 25-point-per-game guy, where he increases his defensive intensity, where he increases his effort on the board. That's still a winning formula. And if Tyrese Maxey can kind of fill those gaps and you get another guy beside him to help fill those gaps, there's a world where the Sixers are still contenders. So to me, that has to be a check mark. But for now, we're in a whole waiting game. We have to sit here and see what exactly happens. And, and even in this gap year plan, like if let's say in, we're in a world where Daryl Morey holds firm or we're just running it back. We have the exact same starting five as last year. You know, we add Pat Bev, <laughs> we add whatever else uh, ends up going down. Philip Petrusev, uh, Turkavian Smith, you know, Jaden Springer actually getting a little bit of an opportunity. None of these are, are moves that improve the margins that significantly, unfortunately, which is why to me, like, I, I think there has to be some sort of massive move, whether it's Tobias, whether it's James Harden. But if you're looking at this as, you know, getting those two max slots for next offseason, which I know has been mentioned, that's why the Sixers have not entered extension talks with Tyrese Maxey's because it keeps this financial flexibility. But why? I just gave you the whole spiel about why players like guy, max guys just don't come on the free agent market this year. The big, the best guy to leave teams in free agency was Fred Van Fleet with that deal to Houston. What good is those max slots if there's not the players that command them? And that's kind of the situation I see the Sixers getting themselves in. There's almost a world where it's more valuable to have these bad contracts like Tobias Harris and like James Harden because you at least have the money to match in trades. You at least can go out and get kind of a disgruntled guy. Maybe there is the risk where Daryl Morey walks and says, I think there's going to be a team midseason that either is overperforming what they expected going in. They want that win now bump or a team that is underperforming that is ready to blow up. The Chicago Bulls are a team that continue to pop into my mind as a candidate for that. But there's also no guarantees that happen. So the bottom line is right now these Sixers are in a waiting game. We're watching the rest of the NBA get better by adding players in free agency while the Sixers really can't. And this isn't a knock on Maury for not doing anything. This is like a knock on the whole situation of you can't go out there and make moves because if there's a trade and your roster drastically changes – it drastically changes the players you need to bring in. If you ship James Harden off for a Marcus Morris, Norman Powell, Robert Covington type package, well, you no longer have a need for wings. But if you ship him off for a Knicks package of a manual quickly, quickly, whatever else you want to throw in there, then there is a need for wings. So those kind of things really dictate it. And same with Tobias Harris, as far as a trade goes from him. I do think Tobias was somewhat correct in his statements talking about like, you know, Sixers fans undervalue me, undervalue me a little bit because there's just not a lot of guys who can guard a team's best player, shoot almost 40% from three, all these things. I get it. Tobias Harris is not who we hoped he would be, but he is right in that regard. Is there's not that many routes upward from him at this point in time. And especially when you add in the Harden thing, there's just not a lot that they can do. So for the time being, the Sixers are just basically stuck. 
I'm not entirely sure how I see the situation resolving himself. If there's one thing I can say for now is that I don't expect it to be quick. I expect this to be a topic of conversation throughout the summer that I expect this to drag out. And frankly, it could very well into the season. So I, I don't have great advice for the Sixers. I don't feel great about where they are at. But Daryl Moore just absolutely has to find a way to nail this and somehow keep that Sixers championship window open. I don't think having James Harden on the roster next year is the best route to that, basically, regardless. But you got to find a deal that makes sense. For now, we'll see what happens. I'll be back. I'll be hopping on with a podcast with James tomorrow. A little more breakdown on the situation, get his thoughts, as well as some more in-depth thoughts on the Pat Bev signing and a couple other things. Got six years summer league coming on now. You can make sure to uh, tap in with me and the guys over at Edge of Philly Store Sports, uh, Tiago, Mr. Crockpot, killing it over there. So we'll be talking about all the games. Appreciate all you guys for watching. Make sure to drop a like on this video, subscribe on this channel, drop a comment. Let me know what you think about the Harden situation, and we will talk next time. Peace.